Good evening. We welcome you to the Dominican.net/radio this week in interview. We welcome all of our listeners. We just want to let you know that you can join the conversation by calling us at 1301-458-7467 or by sending us an email radio at the dominican.net. Tonight we have with us in the studio Mr. Bernard Ito. Bernard is originally from Dominica. But for the past several years, he's been with from most of you would have known would know about um, Texas Instruments, and he is actually in studio talking to us tonight about technologies and as we move into a new decade, these new technologies that are emerging. And I just found out from him tonight that we are moving out of the IT wave into the ET wave, and he will obviously be explaining that to you as we go on. But before we talk about ET and IT and all of these different things, I would like um, to introduce Bernard. And Bernard, maybe you can just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you came from, and, and how you ended up being with um, one of the most prestigious um, firms out here in the United States, um, Texas Instruments. For those of you who don't know, you would have used at some point, I'm sure, in your study time, you may have used a calculator from Texas Instruments. They're, they're, they're makers of calculators and I guess other computer products that Bernard will tell us about. But Bernard, just, just to let our listeners know, probably can tell us a little bit about yourself, about, you know, and then what's, how did you end up at, at Texas um, Instruments? Okay. Well, thank you very much, Thompson. Um, let me say hello to the listeners out there. It's, it's a real pleasure to be able to um, address you and to have a discussion with you and just, just sort of interact and have a, a wrap session. So I, I really appreciate the opportunity to, to be here. As far as my journey, I guess, to um, Texas Instruments, um, started I, uh, when I migrated over to um, the U.S. in late 94, start school uh, January of 95. I uh, was always interested in technology, the sciences, um, throughout high school, St. Mary's Academy, and uh, into the sixth form college, um, did my A-levels in those subjects. Always curious about, you know, the natural world and, and how I can make a contribution in, from a technology perspective. So it was sort of the next logical evolution in my development, I guess, so we uh, eventually move on to the United States to pursue my um, post-secondary education. Uh, moved to Texas, uh, attended Midwestern State University, uh, pursued a, a degree in manufacturing engineering as well as uh, environmental and chemical technology. Did that, um, graduated uh, and moved into industry with an aerospace company for about a year uh, designing um, wind turbines and uh, aircraft engine uh, blades. Did that for a while, but realized again, you know, always keeping my eyes open to the trends that uh, electronics and uh, electrical engineering was the next big thing that was right at the beginning of the whole um, internet wave, and uh, was recruited um, into a graduate fellowship program by Texas Instruments, where they uh, would pay for my graduate education uh, while I worked for them during the summers and and during uh, uh, school breaks. Did that for a while, um, cr uh, completed the degree program in electrical engineering, new product development, and was uh, then recruited full-time to the company as um, first as a test engineer and eventually as a project manager in new product development. Um, and that company is based out in Dallas, Texas, um, very involved uh, in, 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 in pushing the frontiers of technology forward. We do make calculators, 
that's about 5% of our business though. Um, 95% is dealing with uh, uh, integrated circuits, chips, microchips for uh, cell phones, the iPhones, the, uh, a lot of consumer electronic products. Um, uh, almost everything has a TI chip in it. We are not the glamorous external company in the sense of uh, being on the products, but we supply the brands. We, we, we like to think of ourselves as the arms dealer. We supply the chips and let them the products fight it out in the battle place. So that's sort of my journey. Um, Texas was sort of um, almost incidental to the plan. The plan was really to get the best education and the best opportunities at the, at the most affordable price, which happened to turn out to be Texas. And I have um, stayed there and built a career there. Okay. Um, but now, how how easy was it for you to transition into the world of um, into the world of Texas Instruments? Currently, you are, you are, you are involved in. I, I know that you, you, you had a core group of engineers down there that are involved in new product development. How easy was the transition to get into this corporate world here in the U.S.? So um, I can take it from several angles. Um, one, in terms of a cultural adaptation from um, um, the work world of, of uh, Dominica and I guess the uh, academic setting, um, there, was, there was a bit of culture shock because I did work a few years in Dominica. One of the uh, more um, interesting things, um, it's a minor thing, but it illustrates how, how cultures are different, was simply getting used to the informality of the high-tech world. Um, coming from Dominica, where we, we used to using surnames and Mr. and, and sort of a, in my mind, a bit of a hierarchical approach to work, um, the, the culture is, is extremely different in, in the high-tech world, which is very informal, very uh, collegial, um, very laid back. Um, rank is not such a big thing. The, the, the task is to get the product done, get the project done on time. And it took me a while to um, adapt in the sense of the informality of it all. Um, but I adapted quickly and I quite enjoy it now and actually I think it's something that um, Dominique um, could benefit from in terms of the productivity that comes from relaxing the, the sort of hierarchical approach to work. So that, that was something that took some time to adapt. As far as the, the, the work itself, um, um, like I said, I had been trained uh, specifically for that program, had been recruited by the company uh, and, and trained for their specific uh, product lines and their, their, their uh, mid-management mid level uh, recruit. Um, so I adapted pretty quickly from a professional level. Um, and uh, I enjoy working with teams. It's always something that's been part of my my my, my nature, and and I, I took like a duck to water. I think from from in a professional aspect, um, and like everything, when you come in new into a technical role, um, you're really given some time to adapt and learn the ropes to be productive. You're expected to be productive in six to eight months, but everyone knows it takes a while to do that. And so I went through that process, like uh, most new recruiting engineers. Now, tell us a little bit about what you do currently as program manager at Texas Instruments. Give us a, a sense as to what you're involved in on a day-to-day -day basis. So I manage a new product development team, and the way it works is um, we, we, we typically have a budget of um, anywhere from 8 to $10 million for, per opportunity. And what we're doing is looking at the trends in the marketplace, looking at where the technology is going, looking at the, um, you know, doing market analysis to identify what is the next needed product, um, what is the next big thing out there, where can we 
develop a new portfolio of products to take advantage of that um, in specific product lines. And what I do is I head up the team that does that market analysis, does the field research with customers and uh, uh, looking at competitor products, uh, defines that product. Um, then I have a team who will design the product into a circuit and a microchip uh, uh, concept, translate the customer needs into that concept. Uh, part of the team will also involve a test engineer and, uh, who will then help uh, test the chip once it's manufactured in, in our fabrication facilities um, and then evaluated in, in the labs. We'll have characterization engineers, systems engineers, application engineers to then work with the customers with the new product to see does it really satisfy a need, is that need genuine. Um, and so I, I manage a team that looks at it from concept level, market development, all the way through design, development, test, uh, deployment to manufacturing. Then we work very closely for our manufacturing uh, um, to, to ramp it up to production, get the yields that we need, and then look at the revenue projections and the revenues that come in and then move on to the next product. So we're like a SWAT team who goes, looks for opportunities, uh, develops a product to meet it, and, 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 and keep doing that as we um, deploy more and more products. Could you give us an example of one of the products that you've developed recently that's, that, that people may be aware of? Um, we were involved in um, most lately with um, what was called CAN products, uh, control area networks. Um, you may not know it, but a lot of the electronics in, in the cars these days, a lot, a lot of the functioning of the vehicles are, are run by electronics. Um, it's, it's almost a computer on wheels now. And a lot of the um, communication between, uh, you know, your transmission and, and your control systems. Um, we developed chips in, in a lot of Ford vehicles that, um, that are used in use right now. That was one product. What we're working on more and more, though, is power management products. Um, how do you generate uh, power out of non-traditional sources like mechanical vibrations and so on? And, and that's sort of what I'll be talking a bit more about uh, in the program. Excellent. If you've just joined us, you're listening to This Week in Interview. And our guest this evening is Bernard Ito, a Dominican who is out there in Texas. He serves as a program manager for Texas Instruments. And tonight we are discussing technologies. We just wanted to give you a sense as to, as to who we, you were, we were talking with. And as you can see, he's here, there at the forefront of new technologies, which brings us to the, to the next question, Bernard. Before we started this conversation, we were talking informally, and you told me that the IT wave is almost over. And I found that to be interesting because, as you know, I'm an economist, not an IT man. But I would like you to explain to our, our listeners exactly what you meant when you said that the IT wave is over and we are moving into what we call the ET wave. Can you just explain the difference between IT and ET and then, you know, give us some, some sense as to what the difference is? Okay, yes, I'd be happy to do that. Um, so if you look at um, uh, the trend uh, of, uh, we, we could go into a, a sort of a, a high level trend, but if you look at just the technology trend, you'll see going back into the 60s, 60s that a lot of it was on uh, mainframe computers, uh, hardware development, uh, computers the sizes of rooms, which did mainly computations, mathematical calculations. Then as the 80s came about and personal computers um, came into the forefront, 
um, we moved into more applications, um, more standalone applications, uh, spreadsheets, um, uh, word processing, and so forth at the level of, of the individual at his desk. Then the IT wave really came in late 80s, in, in early 90s, where the, the internet and communication really ushered in a new age of information processing, finding information um, efficiently, sharing that information, being able to work better um, using that, that, uh, that information. And that really drove the economic engine for a long time in the U.S. Because if you recall in the, in, in the late 80s and so on, there was grave concerns, oh, the U.S. is falling behind. Um, the Japanese are going to be the dominant economic power. But what happened right at that juncture was the IT uh, boom started, the internet boom started, and that drove the economic engine of the U.S. for a long time. And you see beginning in, in 2000, the, the, the late early 2000s that um, that wave kind of crest and started coming down. There was the whole dot-com bust. Um, so the, the question is then, looking at technological trends, what is going to replace that IT wave, IT being information technology. So the focus is on processing information um, in a service type oriented industry. Um, all trends now point that the next economic engine of the world, and, and, and particularly in the US, will be ET, energy technology, that will be applying our computer power not so much to process information in, in a symbolic manner, but the, we would have achieved efficiencies in that to such an extent that that will no longer be a competitive advantage as far as an economic engine goes. And what the next wave is will be how can we now use that processing power and the uh, skills gained in electronic uh, developments to now translate that into energy technology, which is being abbreviated to ET. How can we figure out how to make clean alternative sources of energy cost competitive with today's current technology? How can we use information processing, information power, computer power to do better designs, more aerodynamic, uh, more uh, cost-effective designs that would make it, uh, wind turbines, uh, energy harvesting from mechanical vibrations, energy harvesting from uh, uh, marine sources, wave power, tidal power. How can we use that processing uh, expertise to move um, into, into those areas and, 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 uh, as, a, as the next economic engine for the next few decades? Because one thing we know for sure is um, current sources of energy are not sustainable. Um, there's a lot of geopolitical issues with uh, those, those, those sources. And the need to move into uh, sustainable um, local industries um, in those areas is, is going to be the next big push. And, and all nations are now investing heavily in that. China leads the way by far. And, and that's where the new, new battle is going to be fought. So energy technology is the new battle, the new frontier. And the next Microsoft, the next Google is going to be an energy company uh, using high-tech approaches. You're listening to the Dominican.net radio. This week in interview, our guest tonight is Bernadito, program manager at Texas Instruments. And we want to remind our listeners that you can, of course, join the conversation by calling us the number 301-458-7467. Or you could send us an email, radio at the Dominican.net. Um, Bernard, we were talking about renewables and, and my, my, interest kind of picked up there a bit because 
I'm thinking of Dominica, and I'm thinking of a country where we are blessed with all of these natural attributes. We have the wind, we have the the sun, we have the the wave energy. As, are these technologies applicable to us? Do you, do you see a point where Dominica can, in fact, even lead the way in some of those technologies that you you talk about? Yes, um, definitely, and it goes to the larger question of, for many, uh, as far as all my life, and um, many decades prior to me being on, being on the scene, I, you know, the question always remains of how do you develop small nations who have appear at least to have limited natural resources? Um, what is it that can give us a competitive advantage on the world scene to allow us to finally break the cycle of poverty and to move into, you know? development niche status uh, with uh, corresponding quality of life. And if you look at the nations who have managed to break through, um, a, a few things have always happened. They have always managed to um, uh, transcend the, the limitations that their natural resource base um, seem to, 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 to be poised to limit them. Japan, for example, is extremely, has very few natural resources. Yet what it has managed to do is move strongly into the knowledge economy. So what it really harvested was the brain power, uh, the creativity, um, and the marketing expertise of its people to create an economic superpower. And I think that is the same approach that any small nation that appears to have limited natural resources like Dominica uh, needs to focus on. Uh, the, the focus has to be on how do we create a knowledge economy. If there's one thing that we export well, for better or for worse, it's brains. Um, we have people of expertise all over the world. We have people in capable positions. We can definitely, we are definitely producing the raw material, the talent to get engaged in those fields and make uh, significant contributions in those fields. The question has to be that, how can we retain that? How can we direct that? How can we use that to develop our, our own nations? So, coming to the specific question, um, the next wave will be energy technology. We, in my mind, we missed several waves. We missed the IT wave. Um, we never really, in any way, had a strategic um, focus uh, to train our people, to, to, to get those contracts, to, to get the footholds like India did um, at, at, at the entry-level areas with data processing and move the way up the value chain into uh, programming and uh, information technology. We missed that wave. We weren't a, part of, a serious part of that discussion. I think we now have an opportunity to catch the next wave, which is energy technology, which places Dominica in an advantageous position because f for once, we have several assets that puts us at a competitive advantage with uh, many, many, many nations. Um, let's take it, let's run down the list. So we're, uh, of course, in, in a climate where um, sunlight is, 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 is there present year-round, our ability for solar energy generation is, 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 is extensive. That, that's obvious. In addition to that, Dominica is, is placed in the direct path of the, um, the, the winds uh, that blow across from Africa, across the uh, Atlantic Ocean in a, in a continuous uh, way, those windward winds. Um, excellent um, wind power potential. Uh, in addition to those major winds, we have nights and sea breezes that gives um, that alternate back and forth uh, when the temperature changes over the land versus the sea. 
Geothermal is sort of known now. Dominic has excellent geothermal potential. Um, right now, Dominic, her uh, capacity is about uh, 20 megawatts. And from estimates, it shows we can generate up to 300 megawatts of power, which means we can export a significant amount of power from Dominica, simply in geothermal. We have excellent marine resources for energy generation. Marine resources being things like wave power, tidal power, um, temperature differences between deep ocean and the, and the surface of the ocean um, using thermal energies. Um, so every, we also have extensive um, environmental runs, which is really just waterways, uh, for, for grid um, hydropower generation, especially microhydro technology. Um, every type of sustainable energy source um, that is currently being explored, Dominic is well positioned, well endowed with resources to take advantage of it. The question becomes, how do we do that? Um, do we do we import in the tech expertise to exploit those resources, or do we do that internally and generate an economy, a knowledge economy with the with uh, with our own people? Yeah, this is a very a very pertinent questions you know that you raise and I, I always think of Dominica as been probably been if, if you like the standing out there because we have everything in in that sense in terms of renewables and and so but talking let's talk a little bit more about the, the state of the technologies and um, you know when we talk about wind energy for example I know that Dominique because I was involved with with, with this sec that was started by Gabriel Christian and we had in fact did some studies Around the Dominican, there was there were several excellent spots that could generate enough wind to keep the turbines rolling. But when people think of wind energy, they think of these huge turbines that somehow distorts the landscape, and 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 people kind of do not. I was listening to the program recently where people in a certain state here, I think is in Delaware, they were they were dead against wind energy because they thought that it would disturb the landscape. You know, the, the, the idea of having those wind farms with so many wind wind turbines. Where is the technology for wind turbines? Are we are we approaching the stage where, for example, you could just have a kind of fold up thing, everybody could just attach it to you know to their house or or do we still have to rely upon those huge, huge turbines? Let's talk a little bit about the technology and where we are with regards to, to wind turbines specifically. So that's a good question. Actually so just as with any technology, the first attempts really these huge uh, uh turbines, those huge windmill type apparatus were really just the first wave, the first um prototypes in into the technology. Where we are now and, and where we're getting quickly is micro turbines that will actually be integrated um, to use very small laminar flows, that is very small airwaves uh, uh, that are not considered economically viable at this time to be used. So um, I don't necessarily want to go into a lot of technical um, explanation of it, but in, in a simple answer to the question, I believe in the next five years or so, um, that technology will be to the point where it is no longer um, this sort of eyesore. They'll be integrated into many structures. They might be integrated into um, your vehicles that could generate and stop power and you could plug it back into the grid uh, from there. They'll be integrated into uh, the building materials for the roof so that the winds blowing through one layer would uh, generate power through, you know, through uh, a layered approach to um, your, the tile on your roof. Um, 
So electronics is just beginning to enter the equation. Um, currently, it's more mechanical engineering world. The electronic engineers are now starting to enter into the equation and, and using the expertise in um, power management chips, which are able to extract um, power from very small um, fluctuations of mechanical energy and then network that power uh, so that it, it generates a significant power. And, and that's where, when I was talking about the IT approach to things, is, is coming in because more and more we're talking about smart grids, network, um, small sources of power that can really um, add up uh, to provide peak power. So, yes, um, the technology is, is, is in the development stages yet. I would expect them to de deploy here in the next, next, next four or five years. But just as an aside, in Dominica's special case, a lot of people forget we have a lot of um, uh, waters um, in, in our boundaries and it would be quite possible to locate, even to this current wind turbines, um, out of sight over the horizon, um, or at least at a point that, that is it's certainly not an eyesore, and, and, and still be able to transport that into the island via submarine cables. So there are lots of options. Okay, let's talk about the, the cost, and, and I'm sure you've looked at the issue of cost because when, for example, you compare renewable energies like wind and, and, and solar and even geothermal, compare that to the cost of, of um, diesel-generated fuel, and I think that's probably the, the, the argument of a lot of the developing countries that it is difficult for them to embark upon those technologies because they're just so expensive compared to just buying, say, a gallon or gallons of, of diesel to generate. Um, where, do, where do you see technologies headed in terms of cost? Are we seeing a rapid enough reduction in the cost of those technologies that would make it viable for countries like Dominica to, to adopt these technologies as against continuing with the old ways of using diesel fuel? Right, and that's the, um, that's the, that's the big question there. The cost question in renewables is, is really been this, a sticking point for a while. Um, I believe, yes, I believe, the, the, this is where the battle is to be fought. We need to develop those technologies to the point that they are cost competitive on their own right. Not simply cost competitive because they have been given some tax write-offs or some other um, uh, incentives or, or, or penalties being imposed on the um, current uh, dirty technologies, you know, like, uh, like a carbon tax and trade. Um, what we need to do is to get those uh, technologies done um, in their own right, as, as their own designs that they are in fact generating power um, affordably. Um, I believe the, that the major semiconductor companies are now moving into will make that happen uh, rapidly. Because of course, as you know, Thompson, the major issue with these technologies is, is volume, is, is, is the uh, manufacturing volume to get to, to level out that development cost and, and that the, the um, the cost of the per unit cost. So, with the application of semiconductor technology, which manufactures millions and millions of units very affordably at the microscopic scale, um, I think those cost cost uh, curves are going to come down quite rapidly. Um, also, with a lot of the investment that the Obama administration is now putting into green technologies, accelerating a lot of technology that already exists in the um, the laboratory that is in fact cost competitive, but no real incentives there to move it into the commercial scale, uh, no, no, no commercial entities willing to take that on and try to commercialize it. 
um, with a lot of the grants that are now coming out from the Obama administration, I think you're going to rapidly see um, a lot of these technologies uh, that are now in labs become public and, um, and drive that, that curve even faster. In this, in this new scheme of things, do you see opportunity for countries like Dominica, not only in terms of, of, of being users of these technologies, but in being en enablers? I mean, do, do you see a role, for example, for our, our own state college in, in Dominica, our own engineers in Dominica? Do you see a role for us in this, in this bigger play of things? Absolutely. I think we have to have a role in this. Um, if, if we, um, if we make the same mistake again, where we, we continue to be consumers of technology, we continue to be consumers of, uh, you know, sort of direct, the direct foreign investment model, and we don't sort of build the indigenous capacity to generate our own economy, I think we'll be making a grave error. Um, we cannot afford to do that. The, the question is, how committed are the, uh, is the leadership and decision makers towards that? Are we committed to the point of having a very focused secondary education where we're training people to be technicians in those fields, where we're training people to prepare uh, at the math and science level that they need to be to enter engineering programs? And what kind of engineering programs? Do we have strategic relationships with you know, the new sustainable engineering programs around the world um, to, 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 to prepare our, ourselves to, to um, to be a player in the field? Do we have strategic relationships with companies to um, deploy our graduates into those companies to get very valuable field experience and, and, and relationships and uh, to come back and to play the sort of technological role that, that we need to play? We need to be at the point where we're developing technology for the field, not simply consuming it. And what we need to be focusing on as well, and here's our, our, our niche, third world countries who have limited resources, what sort of technologies can we develop? How can we adapt? How can we adapt the technologies that are out there right now to be very cheap for um, affordable at, at the level that we need it to be? Um, we have experience as third world nations. We have strategic relationships with the third world nations. We need to develop uh, the sort of appropriate technology. How do you translate um, some of that advanced technology into appropriate technology that we can use in Dominica for the Caribbean and really for the third world would, it would be a potential market. Um, can it be done? Of course it can be done because we do it every day in and out. There are, there are hundreds of Dominican engineers involved in very technical complicated projects all over the world. The real question is how do we leverage that? How do we organize that? How do we uh, localize that in, in, in Dominica? Um, we have the expertise to do the project. We do it for others. I see no reason why um, that industry could not come about. But a lot of it is social capital, relationship capital, intellectual capital. Intellectual capital being not just the ability to have the knowledge for um, qualified people to do the work, but to have the organizational structures in place, to have the social structures in place, to have the organizational culture in place, the relationships um, with the wider world in place. That is what intellectual capital is all about. Um, the, the, the openness to new ideas. The, um, as I said earlier, the ability to have a less um, bureaucratic um, approach to each other and the way we, we work. Um, those things are really what is lacking um, to allow Dominica to set the, um, 
the, the, the pot right to allow the sort of entrepreneurial ideas to take root and to, to happen. But they have to happen. The question is, you know, we need to look at those elements that, um, that are lacking to make the intellectual capital a critical mass that we need. You know, I think you raised some very crucial points there. And just to remind our listeners that you are listening to this weekend interview, and our guest tonight is uh, Bernard Ito, a program manager at Texas Instruments in Texas. And we are discussing the emerging technologies and how these can be applied in countries like Dominica. And, of course, we, we, we are hearing about renewables and clean energy, and I believe that that is one area that Dominica can, in fact, take a lead. Now, we have to find a way to really bring these technologies to bear to bear in, in Dominica. Now, Bernard, probably you can, you can just, just tell us a little bit more about some of these existing technologies. We talked earlier about the wind turbines and the possibility that these turbines will be better integrated into our own, into our different systems. So it, it is not this ISO that we, that we now see. Talk a little bit about some of these other tech technologies, these, these, these micro turbines, these that are used, for example, for the, those that are used for the waves and so on. Give, give us some, a better idea as to some of these technologies and how they, they can be applied. Yeah. Okay. I'd like to do that. Um, Let's start. So, so everyone is familiar with the concept of, of a wind turbine, um, right? The, the wind blows, uh, turns, turns a crank in, in, in the um, equipment and that generates from magnetic field, it generates electricity. Um, that, that seems to be intuitive. Some of the more interesting things coming out, though, uh, uh, the marine applications, um, which Dominic is well suited to take advantage of. If you've ever been, and I'm sure almost everyone in Dominica has been to the seashore, you can see the enormous amount of energy that is um, expended every day with the waves pounding into the um, shoreline. Um, you will see too, if you look out a little bit, that there's constant wave motion. The wave is going up, it's coming down, it's going up, it's coming down continually. Um, wave action technology uses that mechanical up and down motion to um, generate electricity. Because once you're moving, um, uh, 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 when it, once you have any sort of movement within a magnetic field, the result is an electric current. And so any movement can really be harnessed to generate an electric current. Um, applications, and now it's been deployed in, in the North Atlantic, it's been deployed by Denmark and several others that show that um, it's, it's possible, it's very possible and, and quite practical to generate um, significant amounts of uh, electrical energy from, from simply wave action. So in, in simple terms, the waves move the, 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 the actuator up and down, it, it generates an electric uh, current. In addition, um, in, in a similar principle, um, tidal energy, the tide comes in, it goes out, um, you, 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 weigh, you, 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 you lift um, a well-situated um, piece of equipment at, at that tidal line, it will be raised and lowered along with the tide and generate electricity. One interesting application that sort of um, I'm quite intrigued by is the ability to to have the waves um, come in at the seashore, at the sea line, especially in rocky areas, and drive um, a well-created um, uh, space that, that would then drive the air pressure that results from the water rushing into that orifice. Use that air pressure to drive then 
a source of water to higher um, elevations and to repeat that action and then use that water uh, to, to, as, a t as a traditional sort of hydro, microhydro generation. You can imagine if we had that um, throughout uh, the coastline, let's say on, on the East Coast in particular, you would have a series of microhydros um, really driven by nothing more than air rushing into a, a hollowed out um, space that's, that's driving those water to higher elevations and then using that potential energy to drive uh, micro turbines. Um, some of the other things are new types of um, solar energy uh, that, that, uh, that's been used, uh, microchips being built into paints, uh, microchips being built into roofing material. Um, that's no longer the, the, the sort of a bulky photovoltaic cells that you would typically um, associate with um, solar energy, but really built into um, common building materials. The trick to that is to network those well um, so that you can um, uh, use the much larger surface area to generate an equivalent energy from a, a higher, higher power uh, photovoltaic setup. Um, that is in the, in the works, that is in the labs right now and coming out. Also more flexible uh, solar panels like plastics um, that will function as solar panels. Uh, new windows where the glass of the windows themselves are in fact uh, solar panels and um, generating solar power that's networked into the smart house. Um, there are other more esoteric things like uh, utilizing a lot of mechanical energy. Um, you're simply walking through the streets. You you can generate um, enough power to pro power up many portable applications um, using mechanical vibrations from um, driving on the road, um, mechanical vibrations from 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 bridges. Um, really harvesting all forms of mechanical energy because in the long run it's it's really a simple process. You simply need a mechanical source that creates movements. Once you have these movements, you can generate um, an electric current. And so the, the search is on um, how do we, we harvest back all that wasted energy from our vehicles driving, from us walking, for our, our, our equipment working. How do we harvest that back into uh, usable forms of energy? And that's, that's where the excitement is now focused. Very exciting indeed. And if you've just joined us, we are talking here to Bernadito, Program Manager of Texas Instruments. It's 20 minutes going up before the hour of 9 o'clock. We bring this program to an end at 9. We just want to remind our listeners that you can, in fact, send us an email, radio at the dominican.net, or you can call 301-458-7467 if you would like to join the conversation. Um, Bernard, as we continue our discussion, you know, I, I grew up in Dominica, and um, I remember from the earliest time as a kid, I would see these little solar panels on people's homes. And, and it seems to me we never moved beyond that that stage in Dominica, that, that we, we always viewed solar panels as just been enough to heat, to give us some warm water to bathe in. Where is the technology now in terms of these solar panels? Can we, for example, is it possible for for homes to have like a self-generating unit? So for example, if I want to build a home, say somewhere in the countryside in Dominica, do I have to be hooked up to the grid or can I, is the technology enough to allow me to be able to, to have, instead of just having the solar panel on the roof to get hot water to actually generate enough power that can run the house. Oh yes, um, it's simply a matter of cost now. But as far as the technology goes, 
it is it's totally possible to have an off-grid home based on uh, primarily on solar power. Um, so that's definitely the case. Combine a uh, thing I haven't really combined. You ha you have to do it right though, because combined with that is of course the other end of the stick. You have to reduce um, the energy usage um, of homes, and I actually am appalled when I look at some of the bills and some of the uh, usage in Dominicans' homes. How how very badly um, our energy efficiencies are back home. We're we're wasting a lot of power. Um, that we don't need to be simply through bad design of homes, poor insulation, um, poor orientation of the buildings uh, in terms of shading, um, poor wiring techniques, poor building techniques that um, consume a lot more uh, power than it needs to. Um, uh, appliances that are not energy star rated, that are not efficient, um, still using sort of the old British approaches to um, power generation. Um, all all those things all those things are, are things that we need to address first we need to really turn down the efficiencies that um we we uh, improve the efficiencies of our of our homes and our our power use systems um solar panels yes they are they are the point where they can uh, supply all the energy needs of an average average home especially in some somewhere like Dominica where um, uh, heating is not such a big concern and most homes actually don't even uh, have the AC as well. One of the exciting things for Dominica though is you know we have such a long solar cycle um, like I said pretty much um, year-round and um, we can couple that interestingly enough with some of the other technologies so a lot of the uh, micro turbine technology that I talked about earlier can be combined with that because one of the critical things, of course, of solar power is storage during, um, you know, when the, when the sun is is not out, uh, mainly the evenings and, and very cloudy days. So um, combining that with some of the more green storage uh, alternatives rather than uh, battery type setups um, to you know, elevate um, water elevate water to um, higher potential energies and use that uh, uh, kinetic energy to, to generate electrical power um, through micro turbines that could actually be part of the house designs, you know, so, uh, rooftop cisterns to use some of that power to, um, to, to do that would be very interesting. Okay, we have another caller. Um, caller, can you go ahead please? Let me remind you that you are listening to this week in interview and our guest is Bernard Ito, and we are discussing renewable energies and its impact on Dominica. So, Bernard, in terms of, of what is the cost effective, which of the technologies you believe are, are most ready for a country like Dominica, a small developing country like, like Dominica? Yeah, I think, um, I think, I think, um, wind energy is, is, is winning so far. Um, the latest, the latest um, uh, designs out there, especially the micro turbines, um, are, are coming are, are almost at the point of being um, cost competitive with current conventional sources. Now, one thing, and that that is in the United States. Um, one thing we must remember is that that becomes even more so in 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 a country like Dominica, which actually imports all the um, the diesel. And, and other fuel, uh, petroleum-based uh, fuel sources into the island. So the um, 
the um, the cost issue um, becomes um, even more um, favorable in Dominica. And I believe now that wind energy, um, if done properly with the new technologies, the new efficiencies um, that we're getting out of the new um, the latest designs would um, allow uh, those uh, wind turbines to be effective in Dominica right now. Um, so, so I look I look forward to um, being part of that process. Uh, you know, the the major question again is um, how do we engage and become part of that process? How do we um, uh, enable and give incentives for for persons like myself and other entrepreneurs and investors to actually try to implement some of those um, uh, technologies in in, in Dominica? Um, what are the the the, um, the, the sort of uh, infrastructure that we need from uh, 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 laws and and in terms of um, that that point of view, competitiveness in the market. What sort of legislation is needed to be passed um, to break some of the monopolies that are now enjoyed by uh, some of the main major um, uh, providers of services in Dominica? So we need to we need to be able to. Um, do this, and um, we we um, we need to um, get that infrastructure in place. I, we don't have long. We have to get um, on the wave. It's not going to wait for us. Um, I believe we can do it, but it's going to take a lot of a lot of um, collaboration between the government, the private sector, and quite frankly, the diaspora. Um, one of the, the the issues is gaps in in the ideas. Um, that are, that are on the forefront right now, and, and where we are in terms of the how we're thinking about things in Dominica right now. Okay. Um, in case you are just joining us, we have about 11 minutes to go on this program. You are listening to this week in interview, and our guest is Bernadito. We're talking about this exciting new field of energy technology as we move as we transition to the second decade of the 21st century. We're in fact moving from the IT wave, the internet technology wave, to the energy technology wave, where all of these new and emerging technologies, um, renewables and clean energy, green energy. And when I think of clean and green, I think of Dominica. Dominica is a natural fit for all of these technologies. And we are discussing there with Bernard how this can be applied in a country like Dominica. Um, but in, in the meantime, you might want to just send us an email radio at the Dominican that map as we continue our conversation with um, Bonarito on these emerging technological, um, these emerging technologies and how it can in fact benefit, benefit um, Dominica. Now, I know that you have a great love for your country, Dominica. Um, where do you see us headed? Do you believe that Dominica, given our state of development, given where we are, that we're ready to embrace these new technologies in Dominica? This is an interesting question. Um, I think we have a lot of marketing to do. Yeah. I think we have a lot of marketing to do um, in terms of convincing the Dominican population of, of these new technologies. Um, I think the results will have to be the primary, the primary marketing factor. If we can reduce the burden on Dominicans, I, I really find it extraordinary uh, the type of cost 
that people pay. Well, you know, when I, I I speak to my parents and I and I listen to the the cost of their their electric bill for uh, simple appliances and um, lighting, you know, it's it's extraordinary. It's extraordinary the chunk of money that uh, Dominicans have to pay for basic electricity, not comparable. In, in a percentage-wise, to 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 um, somewhere like the U.S. and I live in Texas, which is an extremely hot state, and uh, with air conditioning uh, mandatory and uh, going on and on um, throughout the summer with double-digit, triple-digit temperatures, doesn't approximate uh, the cost on a percentage basis in Dominica. So we um, we need to um, we need to, to do something about that. And I think if we can get those costs on a percentage basis to be comparable with the more developed countries, I think the results will speak for themselves. I think Dominicans will wholeheartedly embrace um, uh, 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 technologies that allow them to have more money in their pockets and, and, and to direct that into more productive and life-enhancing life purposes than, than simply energy. Um, so I think that's what it will take. Um, whether the um, the decision makers are willing to embrace it, I think I am optimistic about that. The, the only question is, what form will it take? Will will we be bureaucratic about it, or will we be open to making it an entrepreneurial uh, field that encourages people like myself and and people in the diaspora to invest and local Dominicans to invest, um, and will we appreciate? Um, Local talent. Um, for some reason, there's always this this bias, quite honestly, to to foreign technical expertise to towards locally grown or at least locally derived expertise. Um, will that trend continue? Will there be this trend? And and it's it's quite funny since many of us actually are the, uh, <laughs> derive these technologies overseas and actually supervise probably many of the people who uh, eventually show up as consultants on, on the shores of Dominica. And so it's it's a bit ironic. It's sometimes discouraging, but it's it's a problem we 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 are willing to um, embrace because the the vision is is, is 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 good enough. Okay, we have a caller on the line. We are trying to fix this technical problem there, but caller, go ahead, please. Okay, thank you very much, caller. I, I got um, most of that. So. So to repeat your question, how do we change um, the, the, the major issue you, you, you see is the mentality of Dominicans to embrace and change and to um, allowing some of these more innovative approaches to happen. Um, I, 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 I can't say I, I disagree with you. I think um, one of the major issues throughout time is, is in Dominica is an idea gap in terms of What's happening out there? What is the best ideas of doing things and getting things to move? And some of the more traditional approaches that that we have we have embraced. Um, I think that inertia, that inertia to new ideas, um, uh, is 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 a real issue to be dealt with. But as I mentioned earlier, I think what it's going to take. Uh, now that's for the diaspora play a big role. I know there's you know some negativity for some one reason or other associated with diaspora, but that's one major role that the diaspora can, can play is to channel new ideas, new energies, they involve in those things every day, that's what they do for a living, um, to, to channel these ideas and to organize um, resources, financial as well as intellectual resources, to, to, to do proof of concepts. People, um, I think, are rational, and if something is working, and if something is, is delivering results that have real meaning and 
real impact on the quality of lives of, 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 of people back home, I think they would be um, willing to give it a chance. And once you do that and you, you show results, um, you start developing a sort of critical mass, and you start developing a critical mass in the, in, in the organizational culture, the, the social culture of, look, maybe we need to really think about um, giving some of these things a chance. And it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Once you do, um, it, it sort of takes off on its own. And, and that's where I hope we get to that tipping point where um, enough proof of concepts happen, uh, enough people are involved and, 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 and do some of these projects, where we, we do convincing for our, our results. Okay, we have another question this time coming to us via radio at dominican.net and this listener says, Dominica seems to be endowed with so many natural resources. This is not the case for all the developing countries. What other potential resources in your opinion could be tapped in countries that are not bounded by so much of the natural resources that we have in Dominica? Okay, so so if I understand your question, you're saying Dominica is fortunate. What other approaches can be used for um, uh, people, for, for countries that don't have that set of advantages? Well, um, really, I think um, ET is, is, is applicable to, 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 to many countries. Yes, Dominica is well positioned, like I said. Finally, we have, we have a, somewhere we have a competitive advantage. Um, but other developing nations who may be more landlocked, for example, um, could um, utilize uh, things like, um, you know, more um, biofuels, um, where they convert a lot of the wood and so forth into more uh, energy efficient forms uh, prior to converting them to energy so that you have greater efficiencies. Uh, people power, pedal power, for example. Um, a lot of those countries have uh, utilize a lot of bicycles, a lot of foot walking. Um, could utilize, harness all that mechanical energy into usable forms and, and storage. Um, uh, sunlight um, is, is, is ubiquitous for the world, um, would always be something that people could tap into. Um, and like I said, the big, the big push now is to harness mechanical, uh, waste mechanical energy, walking, driving, movements, and, and that happens in all societies throughout the world. And actually, um, certain developing nations with large populations could actually benefit from that sort of energy harvesting of waste mechanical power. So, um, the, it's a good question though, because the, the fundamental question becomes, what is the right strategy that would work for my country? Um, like I said, Dominic is fortunate. We have all, all the major farms in abundance. Um, developing countries are going to have to figure out what strategy would work for them. And actually, uh, if we take a forefront in the third world, the developing world, to, to develop this technologies and expertise, we should really be providing that sort of experience and consulting experience to those nations and to help them figure that out. And that's another important um, attribute that would come about from us taking a forefront in developing these technologies. Okay, well, Bernard, we want to thank you very much for joining us this evening. I think it was a very interesting discussion. We again apologize for the problems we're having with our phones, um, but I believe it was a very good discussion. And I would want to thank you for joining us there in our studios at Dominican.net Radio. And I would like to, to remind our listeners that uh, tomorrow at 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, we open up our lines to allow you to call in to Dominica as we link up live with DBS Radio to send New Year greetings to friends and family in Dominica. And before that, from 6 to 8 o'clock, we have Experience Creole as we hook up with this radio station in Canada 
to bring you the best in Creole music. And of course, next week, Wednesday, this week in interview, our guest will be Dr. Peter Sejan, um, this the world-famous and noted sociologist also from Dominica, who has been involved in helping um, the authorities in Brazil and here in the United States to deal with the crime issues. So this is a conversation you will not want to miss. We encourage you to join us next week at the same time, 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock p.m. for the discussion this week in interview. And our guest next week will be Dr. Peter Sajan. So, but then again, I just wanted to thank you for taking the time out to explain to us all of these new technologies. And for me, it was an eye-opener. I learned something new tonight. I must say, um, it's in energy technology, and I'm sure that you'll be hearing these words quite a bit you'll be hearing this because this is the way the world is, is is headed clearly we cannot continue to do as we've always done with all of these fossil fuels and renewable energy and all of these technologies that are driving these will certainly come to the fore as we approach this new decade so again i i thank you and i want to thank our listeners for staying with us throughout this evening as we discuss this very important topic thank you <laughs>